I like the um, I like heavy metal. One thing that does have to be mentioned straight off the bat, I suppose, is that Architects got a number one album. So that was on Friday, and then yesterday, we were recording this on Monday, on Sunday, uh, Man United beat Man City in the derby. So I imagine Sam Carter has had a fucking fantastic week. He's probably still pissed um, and is on a very steady come down in what is now Monday evening. So massive congratulations i think straight off the bat for them because that's like shouldn't be understated to what an achievement it is for a band that monumentally heavy to get a number one album really especially in 2021 yeah exactly so yeah. huge congrats from everyone here um i say everyone here me and you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh i'm sure I'm sure tom Searle will be stoked yeah it was a good game yesterday though. did yeah. you did you watch did, did you you watch the derby yesterday then yeah, I watched the derby, yeah. I was pretty surprised. To be fair, I got a beer out of the fridge, walked in, just having put the game on, mm. and Bruno was taking a penalty. And I was like, where the hell did this come from? And then 1-0 up, and you're like, oh. Well, the game, the, the every predetermined idea of the way the game was going to go is now just completely gone to shit. Like, it disappeared straight, like, quickly, didn't it? Because, like... He, yeah, I fanny around so much with with finding streams and stuff, and so I fanny around so much before kickoff normally. That I was really surprised with myself yesterday that I managed to clock the first goal because I was <laughs> I was there for kickoff. I was like, ah, oh, right, brilliant. And within thirty five seconds, there was a penalty given, and it set the game up so perfectly for United because they like they play so well on the counter attack. So I had some like I was watching the game yesterday, and like halfway through the first half, although United were one 0 up, not a lot had happened. And I was sat there thinking, mm. like, I think I drafted out some tweet that I didn't end up putting out in the end. <laughs> because I was just like, I really hate the fact now that I do a contemporary football club podcast because I have to watch shit games like this, as in, like, this fucking awful, turgid derby. Whereas, like, I used to do historical football podcasts where, like, I know what the result is going in. So if I have to watch a game, I know it's going to be a good one. And then it turned out that the longer the derby went on, it actually interested me more and more because, you like, yeah. City were just piling on the pressure game. and United just, you know, they held strong. I mean, it is that, like, it is that little bit of, you know, that thing that, what did, I think Klopp said it. He said it's annoying when you have world-class players on the pitch and all they do is sit around their own box. Like, <laughs> as much as United definitely did do that yesterday, it, it's like, I get. It, I think it's kind of a, a cool thing about the Premier League that anybody beats anybody. But with United especially, it sort of, I, I don't know if it annoys me or you just see it and you think, well, this is no different to what Mourinho was doing. But it's Solskjaer. And obviously they, they obviously... <laughs> Which makes it fine, and they like it more. But you also, I kind of just watch it. What I watch that game like every time United get 
one pass away from their own box or one step away from their own box, nine times out of the ten, City are still winning the ball instantly. Instantly. And, you know, the fucking rest of the game is just City have the ball. Now United have the ball. Three seconds later, City have the ball again. And then every now and then, the counter-attack that broke through was when City obviously, you know, seemed to be seem to get a little bit hurt by it, but I don't know. Even then, I still thought City were a good team to watch, despite the fact they lost 2-0. And no, I don't care what anyone says. No one was calling that game 2-0 United. No one. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were going to get turned over. I, you know, 21 wins in a row speaks for itself. Like, if you're betting against City to win that game... Madman. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, madman, well done to whoever did, but, like, still... If you'd have told me Luke Shaw was going to score the winning goal, as much as he's had a great year and we picked him for our England, our England squad last week as first choice left back, you still wouldn't call that that Luke Shaw was going to score the winner to that game, especially on a counter attack. <laughs> like, no, it was beautiful. It was really well done. The, t- yeah. the touch he took out when he kind of chested it past, I think it was Cancelo, who we praised so much mm. last week as well. And like I, I mentioned to you just before the show that. Um, that there was a couple of things that Ben said on on last week's podcast. I was like, mm, I don't know if I agree with that. Now I've kind of watched this weekend's football. I've completely done a one eighty on. I'm like, yeah, Luke Shaw is definitely the starting left back for England now. And like, and we as we're recording, Je- um, Jesse Lingard has just put West Ham one 0 up. And I'm like, oh, maybe he actually will make the England squad now. So <laughs> there's a few things. Well, last I week still don't debatable. agree with that for this. <laughs> yeah, I still I still don't agree with that for the sake that I don't think you can take a player that's only played half a year of football. And, but what if it's a blistering you know, half a year of football, though? What if it's a great half a year? If West Ham, if West Ham make the top four because of the well, because they've had a good year, you know, Suchek and Rice playing well, and then Lingard's come in and propelled them to the top four, maybe. But I still don't see it. I mean, I'm happy to eat my words. I'll humbly <laughs> eat them in whatever form they're given to me. We're going to save like, this clip for for, yeah, <laughs> for the end of the year. Yeah, like I just don't, I just don't see it. One because like. I mean, sure, he's got World Cup experience and he's played to the Euros already and he's played a lot of games for England. He was consistently in the squad, but like, do you think that he's going to take, like, do you think that he's going to take Lingard over Foden, over Mount, over Madison or over Grealish? I could maybe see him taking him over Madison for the fact that James Madison's not really had a sniff at England and... I could maybe see him taking him over Foden, even though I don't know why that would happen. But it's Southgate, so who knows? Um, but I just still don't. I just still don't see it. I don't know. When you list the players out like that, I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> There's too many, isn't there? There's too many tens, which is why we obviously chose one less centre back and chose Calvin Phillips because he can also play at centre back if needed. So I guess so could De- Declan Rice, to be honest. You know one player that we completely glazed over last week without even mentioning? Who was that? Eric Dyer. <laughs> oh yeah. Nah. We didn't mention him at all. Nah. I don't I don't I don't know. I know he's like this, but he's been this like stalwart for I say stalwart, he's like to been an ever president for Jose Mourinho because Mourinho seems to love him. I don't I haven't really paid that much attention to Tottenham this year because Mourinho football is so turgid. I just avoid watching them at all times. I think they did. They it wasn't. They went. They won four. Uh, it wasn't the last start night. of the season though. No. Yeah, they won. Yeah, they was it four one or they four two. Four, I, I think, think it Palace four, four one. Two. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, it's that I've I've definitely learnt my lesson with Mourinho football now that I just do not bother. 
and I just watch the highlights afterwards. And so I don't. No, I mean, there's very. You mean you watch the press conference afterwards, and that's it. yeah. And the short fucking. <laughs> I tell you what is the best thing to happen to Premier League football in the last two years is the three minute highlight packs that go up on the the Sky Sports YouTube channel now. That's like the best thing they've done in years because it means you can just sort of get you get the essence of what a game was like, and if it really interests you, you go and watch a bit like you watch a match of the day. But now I don't yeah. have to watch. <laughs> That's the difference between BT and Sky for me. Like when you watch the BT highlights, especially the Champions League ones, they give you like eight minutes. Oh, they're so you get like the fantastic. context of the game. Yeah. You get like you get the you know, if there's a if there's a twenty second channel of play that ultimately ends up that somebody's absolutely pissed a shot mm. to the corner flag, even though the build up play's been exceptional, you still get to see that bit. So it sort of gives you the you know, there was a there was a passage of play in the Barcelona Sevilla game the other day, um, where I think like, I think it was like Serginio Dest absolutely just sped down the right wing mm. from right back, crossed it in, and somebody did like a scissor kick, and like the scissor kick went nowhere, but it was still like a great cross and a great attempt, and even though nothing came of it, they still included it. Like, I want to see that. Whereas three, I don't know, three minutes of just you just see the goals. A little taste. That's all I need. Just a little bit of a taste yeah. that I can watch whilst I'm on the toilet or something, and <laughs> then if I like it, I'll go and seek out forever highlights. But like. The fact that they do that now is, I, don't, I think that's one of the best things that the, the Premier League has done in years. I think I, it's 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 a funny thing, isn't it? Like BT versus Sky nowadays, because the more I watch Sky, I think I only actually watch it for Gary Neville and Roy King. I was say, who's your favourite pundit? Who's my yeah, my favourite pundit? Um, I don't think you can really go past Gary Neville in the sense that he just talks sense mm. and like in anything, like even in politics and in like cultural relevance or whatever he just speaks sense and he's just got his head screwed on and he's got a wonderful ver like he's got a wonderful version I guess we could say version because it is a you know everybody's view of football is their own little version of mm. it but like I think he's got a great perspective on football I think Gary Neville by far but do you not have him as like him and Carragher to like a little like a him and Carragher yeah him and Carragher are great I'm not sure about Carragher on his own okay. I think I like him, but Gary Neville and Carragher together are the ones. But the thing that irks me about Sky, and I think this is something that's like, it's the way that they interview people and the way that they format the the, the structure of the interviews or the, or whatever they're talking, you know, the content is like, they do that. They do especially on a post match interview. They they've already essentially written the narratives for what the news headlines will be post game, and in the in the post-match interviews, like especially that James Madison one is a great example. I think that was on BT, so we'll let it we'll let it slide. But imagine it was on Sky. I still want to see him give that same interview with Sky. They 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 the leading questions are insane. It's like they basically tell them what the answer is, and then people are like, "I wonder why footballers say um so much." Right, and it's like, well, you've basically just asked them a question and told them the answer. And whatever they say, you're going to pivot back to what you want them to say anyway. So what's the fucking point? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? There are, like, Harry Mag yeah. that Madison, the like, Madison interview that you mentioned, that's like, there are very few players that are, um, I mean, even, even in, he was very self-aware in that one that you're talking about, because he said like, oh, I don't want to just give a media trained answer. And then he sort of yeah. went on to say something really interesting. There are very few players that aren't media trained within, a, within an inch of their life. So when they come along, like, him, I suppose Erling Haaland is really interesting to watch because he doesn't seem to give a shit about anything and he just gives really mm. awkward answers, which makes it an interesting watch in a completely one? different one. Which, what, Arsenal one? About the Champions League. No. 
some I think a reporter said to him, uh, "What is your dream?" And he said, um, "To be like Arsenal and win the Champions League." And he says, <laughs> "It was something like that." And they said, "Why Arsenal?" And he said, "Because they're dreaming too." <laughs> burn something like that. Burn. It was pretty good. Yeah, I just think yeah. that the players that like they they're just the ones that aren't media trained with the image of their life the ones that don't I don't know if you um, I watch a lot of NHL hockey and those they do like between period interviews with players and they, they are the most soul sappingly boring things you'll ever hear and it just it's to the point where they're literally pointless that all you're doing is you're just pulling a player aside when he's absolutely knackered it's like if they were to do mm. it with footballers at half time rather than I get the full time ones they're fine they're a bit better but like these things are so so boring because you just ask them like oh what do you need to do better and the player will just stand there like heavy breathing saying oh we just need to play a bit harder they've played really well yeah ov- we're like playing fucking obvious yeah is, you know they're I mean? the most like scripted answers that you just get and it's the same thing every time and it's like what is the point so when these ones do come I- along and they're interesting it's like a small little snippet of Bliss. there's a few there's a few things i yeah i'm fully i get what you're saying there's a there's a few there's a few that i think are pretty good like the nfl mic top ones are pretty cool um, oh yeah i mean they're just chatting shit but like the one of jj watt uh, a few years ago when he was like in his prime i think he was like he was his like 22.5 sack season or whatever don't even know really how half a sack works but sure <laughs> um like they mic'd him up and he was basically just shouting the whole time and it was great. But then also, have you seen the ones in the cricket where they'll like mic up and give an earpiece to like one of the fielders and talk to them mid-game? Like even when the balls yeah. are going in. Like, imagine you imagine you fucking like imagine you mic'd up Harry Maguire on that six one Spurs game and they were just like mid-game, like, how's it going, Harry? And he's like, What do you fucking think? I'm yeah. having a mare. Like Yeah. All right, it'd be good content, but where's the line? There was like, that thing. Is this football or is this is this for the benefit of the media to play the game of oh we've got the good content? Like, <laughs> show me the fucking football. Yeah, that's kind of all you want. There was that thing with the with the obviously there's no crowds at the moment, so there's no fans. You can hear the players better. And last week when I think there was an argument, but I think it might have been the Crystal Palace game. There was that argument. Harry Maguire and Rashford. Rashford. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Get back on side, you prick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, fair. I saw that. Um, I saw that. Eric, Eric Bay like commented on his in, Harry Maguire's Instagram picture as soon as they finished the derby because that's what they do now, isn't it? As soon as they finish the derby, like players are straight on their phones and like yeah. seeing, like, you know, looking at social media or whatever. Post a picture. But <laughs> posted his picture and Eric Bay commented on it saying, "Congratulations, Captain! You have a big head." <laughs> that was it. That was just it. God, I love Eric Bay. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so this week we have Lucas Woodland from uh, Holding Absence. He has hopped on uh, to he, he hopped on to chat with us. He's another United fan. We're very United heavy at the moment. We need to diversify our podcast guests a little bit and get some people from, was it Burnley? And <laughs> Yeah, any Burnley metalhead. You know, Burnley, Southampton, Plymouth, Macclesfield, you know, places that aren't Manchester. Queen um, of the South. <laughs> yeah, if you're a Queen of the South fan, hit us up. Um, Forest Green Rovers, please. I want to talk to you about your coffee shirt. Yeah, that. Oh, mate, that sounds. Yeah, the coffee shirt sounds like such a wild concept. Um, yeah. Also, the first vegan football club. Yeah, mad, isn't it? Such a like such a cool. Mm. It's like a concept. Even the club, pitch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. So this is this is our interview with Lucas Woodland. It was a good laugh. Um, enjoy.
how has the last kind of I don't know. I don't want to go back too far because this year has been shit for everyone. So, <laughs> so when you start with questions like that, it's like, yeah, everything's been really boring to be fair. But um, I don't know. Tell us something that you've picked up during lockdown. I don't know, like a hobby or something that you might not have picked up before. So, How have you been using your spare time? Yeah. So I've been. Um, so basically, we we recorded an album in February of 2020. So literally, mm-hmm. we came home and COVID happened like two days later. So like most musicians have had this whole like, yeah, man, I wrote a new album. And, and like, you know, we literally just finished recording a new album. So if anything, that was the exact time that we didn't want to do any music related stuff, you know? So um, so I've been doing a lot of like uh, writing on like, um, I've been uh, working on a book and working on like a, a comic, oh, okay. which is which is like, you know, for me, it's more like just like, like a passion project kind of thing. And just, you know, mm. um, I've, I've always been a musician and then a lyricist, you know, but over the years, I feel like I've got better at writing lyrics. And now I'm like exercising that side of myself without the music, you know? So, um, yeah. so it's been really cool. Yeah. But honestly though, just generally, it's been a tragic year for, for me as well as everybody else, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I'm holding up. So yeah. <laughs> how's the, um, how's the book coming along there? What's, um, can you tell us anything about it? Yeah. Or, I mean, it, to be honest, it, it would just be completely boring, but the, the comic and the book both, <laughs> uh, they both kind of like tie into one another. Um, it's basically like a, like a fiction about, um, like Mars, but based in like a thousand years and, um, you know, we're all terraformed and colonized and, you know, Martians are alive and well and stuff. And then there's basically like this massive, like class war. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's like this, this unity between the two races that yeah so i won't go anymore because it'll be just super boring but it's been a cool <laughs> because it's so stupid and over the top it's been really it's been a really good template you know because i don't i mm-hmm. don't have to have any rules if that makes sense did you see yeah. that um new show on i think it's like hbo it's called like raised by wolves no i haven't it was ridley I, scott it was oh yeah, yeah yeah i heard about that actually kind of it kind of sounds a lot like along the lines of what you've just described your book as but like nice, dude. in a in a i i don't know a ridley scott way <laughs> yeah in a ridley yeah. scott way it was really good though i really enjoyed it i've, it uh, I've been watching i've been watching the wire lately you know like the hbo classic yeah yeah and that's just been so good man so anything hbo i'm just like yeah go on <laughs> yeah it was good what's the um what's the race by wolves thing matt uh it's basically like i think it's it's essentially you know how in hand hand uh, handmaid's tale um sort of yeah. religion takes control over a certain part of the world and it becomes like a state or it's like america i think it's like boston isn't it in america or like new Mm. england um essentially like there is one religion on the in in the world at this point and there's a bunch of zones in the world that are like completely distraught with like nuclear radiation or whatever and then there's this like holy war where it's atheists versus said religion i can't remember what the religion was called but um they've created these sort of like android gods that essentially just fight for this religion and they're like these fucking (laughs) flying they turn like gold and they've got this like sonic weapon that they use with their mouth and it just obliterates anything and somebody stole one and like changed like the atheist stole one and like changed changed its like functions to to cater to them um and then this like scientist like sort of I think he puts it on this ship and sends it to the nearest planet they find that can sustain life and obviously takes humans with it to like nurture into the new, you know, the new, the new era of humanity, but obviously the new world order, the new, yeah, but (laughs) it's on the atheist side. Um, So they're trying to like completely stamp out any religion and sort of start again. And what do you know? (laughs) The, the, 
the I can't remember what the religion's called again, but they build this massive fucking ark, like Noah's Ark, obviously, and uh, it just like <laughs> flies into space. And obviously, they find this planet, and then it sort of all unravels from there. But it it's not like pretty. It's not straightforward. I feel like you get yeah, to like episode been, eight, and it, you're it like, what it. the fuck's <laughs> happening? I, could, I mean, it's it's sort of along the lines of Westworld of like many layers. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, mate, I found Westworld so complicated. Oh, I, I loved after it. Halfway through the second season, I, when they introduced like the third and fourth kind of zones, I was like, no, <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking <laughs> I at. I loved it. You got it's, It is one of those shows you got to like watch it and sort of like take almost everything with a pinch of salt and then watch an explainer video after to be like, was I right or was I nowhere Dude, near? Dude, I'm literally, you know, uh, the WandaVision series is just I've, started. I've seen around. it. Yeah. I've not started yeah. it. So yeah, like, you know, uh, no spoilers or anything, but there's this guy called, um, there's this YouTube channel called Screen Crush and like every week he does like an Easter egg like rundown video and I, I need to watch that more than I need to watch the actual show just because there's so much like <laughs> subtext you know but uh yeah well and like well every episode is like a different um take on a different decade of like American right. television so like this like, oh, 60s okay. and then it's the 70s so there's like homages to like Bewitched and then it moves on to like the Brady Bunch and like it's really cool oh, man cool. they've definitely tried something different with it so yeah I saw the one yeah. in black and white had that whole like post-war prime American propaganda, American dream, like comic book style. Yeah, like, yeah. And then the next episode is completely it. different. So, yeah, okay. That's yeah. cool. It's, it's really cool, man. Yeah. We've been, uh, we, we literally, um, we just started Utopia last week. Have you seen that before? Uh, is it quite old? I feel like... Yeah, it's like 2013. Yeah. I, no, I a, haven't seen it. It was a Channel 4 show. It's... Oh, really cool. weird to be watching now because um, <laughs> it's all about like a vaccine that the, the world's going to get this sort of flu and they have to rush this vaccine out but in the vaccine is this like genetic oh, no, no, no. mutator it's like proper like <laughs> what the no I'm not I'm yeah, not good for that yeah, not yeah it's so <laughs> weird it's so yeah. weird but, yeah TV shows are one way to like spend time during lockdown and stuff like if you've you said you said you recorded the album last February, right? Mm, so you've yeah, been sat yeah. on it for well, oh, yeah, for almost a, a year now, and <laughs> yeah. I guess it's out. Was it out in April, right? So yeah, you've been sat on it for almost a year. Can you? I don't know. Do you want to talk us a little, like tell us a little bit about the album and stuff before we kind of pivot towards the real reason we're here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the album. Um, yeah, dude, it's 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 funny because it's like as a musician, you you always have this sense of like you know you you kind of need to sell your product you know but at the same time as as like an artist you you don't want to really kind of be too like on the nose about kind of like i don't know like shamelessly plug in your, your album it's mm-hmm. such a like a a kind of polarizing thing to do as a musician you know but um but yeah it's basically like you know we've been a band for like 4 years now i guess um and this is like obviously our second record so but it just feels like this is I don't know, it just, it just felt like the first kind of true experience I've had as like, as a musician and a songwriter, really. And we went to the studio with a guy called Dan Weller, who plays guitar in sixth, and he's done like the Enter Shikari records, and he's done like some okay, some really, wow. really brilliant records. But it just felt like, it felt like my first time being like a proper, proper musician, you know? And all the, all the songs, you know, push the envelope in different ways. And um, like most musicians, I've been doing this a long time. I'm like a decade in now, you know? And so to feel like, you know, this is my first genuinely like, 
I don't know. Pure you feel moment. settled into your into yourself because I feel like every band's first record is yeah, you've sort sure, of. It's man, not yeah. that you've got something to prove, but you're like putting it out there. Every first record is testing the waters in whichever way you want to, you know, package it. But like you feel a, a lot more settled into where you want to go and where you yeah, see yourself yeah, going you're from here. Right there, because yeah. it's like I don't feel like I need to prove myself now. I feel like I. I've done all that with the other 20 or 30 songs that we put out, you know, but so now it just kind of feels like I'm just doing it for the, just, just for me and for the love and, and fun of it all really. Um, which is, which is what you want as, as a, as a, a band really. And, and I'm kind of glad to be honest that we're not one of those bands that had like, um, like an overly successful debut album, you know, like it, right. it did well for us, you know, and we, we did some great shows with it and stuff. Um, but like there are a lot of bands that live in the, in the shadow of their debut and and I don't feel like we're going to be that band which is good to be honest and so you've um yeah. you've not had that like difficult second album feeling about it no then. that's what I mean is because the first one was not like the first one did well like, like I said you know and we were very proud of it but the first one didn't overhype us to the point where I didn't feel like any pressure on the second one and and now it, it just yeah it just feels great so there's uh there's quite a distinct like imagery to this one what mm, yeah you what's the what's the concept behind it yeah so like um with the with the like when we started the band you know obviously aesthetic and vibe is like such a big thing in this day and age especially because of the internet you know it's like going to a show is one thing but like going home and checking them out on instagram is a completely another thing you know so so when we started the band you know everything was in black and white and we were very stoic and um and it was just kind of this very brooding kind of emo kind of vibe. Um, and yeah, and basically just, I think for album two, we decided that we just kind of wanted to be as bombastic, but mm-hmm. on a but an eruption more, of color sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a far more, not, not so much like a flamboyant level, but a far more melodramatic kind of level, um, you know, and, and with the, the videos and the, the photos and stuff, we've got this kind of, um, just this kind of cinematic kind of vibe to it. Um, and, and I just feel like, you know, it's been really fun as once again, as a creative, you know, having the opportunity to do something quite special in the music world that isn't just the music, you know? Sure. That's pretty cool. Like, I think with the, um, something you just mentioned about kind of, you don't feel comfortable, like, or not as comfortable kind of consistently promoting your stuff on social media, because I suppose normally what you do is, is you promote a lot of stuff via touring, which you can't mm. obviously oh, do yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So it's all down to making sure you're still in the public eye 100%. and social media is a great way to do that. Like it's, it's, it's a disconnection, isn't it? More than ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, like, like I said, you know, the internet has changed everything anyway in that respect. So COVID has just put the whole thing on steroids really you know so now more than ever more than ever <laughs> you've got to worry about all the, the kind of the internet kind of vibes and all that kind of thing you know and it's, yeah. especially with touring i feel like you you know you can go and see a new band or like you go to a show that you want to go to you know a band that you want to go and see and they have a support band that you may be sort of interested in sort of hesitant in you're always all you're looking for is that extra 10 20 seconds of effort of follow or like add them to your Spotify or add them to whatever with, you know, playing a show. It's like, you can be convinced within the 30 minutes that they're in front of you, or you can be like, Oh, I like this. But whereas just on the internet, you're solely relying on, is this interesting enough for them to click through? So it's completely taken all physical aspects. Yeah. Cause now you've said that I've never thought of it like that, but you know, when, you know, we've all been to shows and sat through some bad music over the years, you know, and like, um, (laughs) but like, you know, a music video is three minutes long. Right. So, 10 music videos worth of time is spent watching a support band, you know? Mm. So if, if you're going to win somebody over with a music video, 
It's like you've got 10 times as much time to win them over at a live show, you know. So there's just far more of a chance that people can truly understand what you're, what you're trying to convey, really. And um, especially, like, especially in, in today's world, in terms of online interaction, like, I feel like a lot more, especially fan to musician sort of relationship is 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 built on personality now like yeah, if, sure. especially at a live show like at least the person gets to talk in between songs or at least say something or you know at least show a bit of their character and personality whereas just putting a music video or a song out you can't really do that and you have to make the excuse to make that extra content on instagram or you know and put yourself out there doing it because let's be honest we all know what's happening we're all fucking stuck inside and it, somebody going yeah. oh look at me on instagram blah blah doing this yeah, it's like sure. you're yeah sure you're building a character you're building a, a, a rapport with your fans but i'm not saying it's not genuine but it but it's not it, it is a it's, bit, not yeah, it's not genuine <laughs> Do you know what i mean yeah 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 because yeah, at the end of the day yeah like you said we all know everybody's just sat being bored at, uh, at home now you know so like there is no mystery anymore even if people kind of like to convey that there might be you know um yeah like the imagery and aesthetic look of of the, the map brought up of the <clears throat> like the promo shots and the music video and stuff like i think that is quite a good um it's obviously a really good way of grabbing eyes and stuff on on like because like we said you can't really go out and actually like tour and meet people at the moment you've not got that captive audience of being a support band on tour or anything like that mm. so at the moment i guess if you can catch someone's eye by by like looking cool online yeah yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah know if that, sure. that sounds really shallow of me like i mean a lot of the way that i used to obviously find music would be to go to shows and and be exposed to bands i'd never heard of but now i'm looking through like apple or spotify album covers and like does that interest me yeah does it look cool i might listen to it and then think oh or go down like playlists and stuff of suggested things but a lot of the time it's like i've never heard of this band the album cover looks it looks pretty cool i will listen to it and then like decide whether i like it or not and i Dude, suppose that sure. when you can't get out of the house yeah there's <laughs> the only, that's the only thing you can do and like honestly you know sometimes i'll find a band's instagram and i won't follow them because their aesthetic is cool or whatever, you know <laughs> but that, that's kind of all, all we've really got to go on anymore it's like just the music which has always been the way it is and just the the photos that they put on the on the, the gram <laughs> you know very so, fickle but, world isn't it yeah i kind of like mm. to think though hopefully this will be a little bit of a a wake-up call for most music consumers you know that how important live music is you know how kind of yeah. how much of a, a lie instagram actually is and, and how honest just genuine you know sweaty music performance is and always has been as well you know um so fingers crossed we'll be kind of going back to a different music industry after all this yeah it might be a bit of a reset i suppose yeah. um yeah so okay so i've we've got you listed here as a manchester united fan right yeah, yeah. so <laughs> sorry can you <laughs> sorry. can you well where does that obsession start where does where does that come about how did that start so yeah so i'm i'm quite a probably quite a unique case or maybe maybe more of a sign of the way music's becoming uh not music sorry football but every now and then i'll refer to like a drummer as a goalkeeper or something <laughs> so uh heads up but uh but the, you know the way the football is these days is so much more commercial um and, you know, obviously most people grow up with like their family club or like their dad was mm -hmm. a fan or whatever. But for me, honestly, I have the vividest memory of, I don't know if that's a word. I have a very vivid memory of um, when I first discovered Man United and football in general. And basically okay. I, I was um, I was in the I was in the street like playing as a kid, you know, and there was like two other kids in the street like and we were kind of like just hanging around. You know, I was like maybe seven or something like that, you know. And um, 
and they said to me like I oh, um what you know what do you prefer Man U or Liverpool right and I didn't have a clue what either of those things were I had no idea and then basically in my head I was like so I had the guy on the left who I thought was cooler than the guy on the right said <laughs> Man U and the guy on the right who I didn't think was that cool said Liverpool so I was like oh yeah yeah Man U obviously you know and like mm-hmm. literally I just from that point I just became a Man United fan because of some stupid like kind of conversation as a kid in the yeah. street you know so and and ever since then you know I've been just like I've just been in love with with football and and like and and Manchester United as a whole really you know and um I feel like a lot of people would probably like turn their nose up at me as like a fan you know but like I I don't go to games very often which is something that I'd love to change someday um and obviously like I said I don't have any like kind of family connection to it but you know growing up my biggest obsession was was Manchester United I used to be able to yeah. name and uh, the whole squad in numerical order, you know, and like, um, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's funny because so many people say that like their dad was a fan and that's why they got into it, but but for me it was just just you know a social. It's thing always anything. yeah. It's it's always really interesting to see how people got like get into the football team that they support because like I think one thing that me and Matt really want to get across on this podcast is that there's no judgment at who anyone for supports sure, and why sure. because yeah. because no one sits you down as a six or seven year old with an atlas or a yeah, map yeah. and says right find your local club that's yours like sometimes it's literally just the first team you see on the telly yeah or the for first sure. or shirt the first, you're given and dude, that's it and to be honest as well on top of that something I'll get round to later but like you know I'm I'm Welsh and Ryan Giggs was Welsh and and for a long time it yeah. was like Giggs, he plays for United and that's mm-hmm. probably why, the, you know, yeah. Yeah, because I I mean, I, I, I personally don't support my local club. My club is in London and I grew up in Kent. And there's no, like, there's no football in Kent, really. There's Got there's, yeah, there's yeah, Gillingham yeah. who were shite and I never went to see games, <laughs> yeah. but I started to go and see Queen's Park Rangers games really, like, fairly early on with my uncle. And then that's what stuck. So, nice. yeah, I always find it really interesting to find out how people get into the teams that, that they, you know, how they fall in love with the teams that they pick. Yeah. I mean... I I could say I probably quite differ from that. It was very much Forrest was shoved in my face from about five. But that's was, the other way, isn't yeah. it? There's some people that, yeah, just get it shoved down their throat. <laughs> There's, there is this just polarising difference between like, even like stupid things like um, like f- the, the video game Fortnite. Now they've just put out like a, a skin that you can buy mm. And like I, this, this is interesting. Oh, of course, this, this is super yeah. interesting, right? You know, but like you can basically buy this skin, and, and the edit styles are like thirty-two different clubs, and like some of them, mm-hmm. like Man United, isn't one of them. You know, so like as a United fan, it's like I'm I'm wearing like a Juve kit or whatever, but like you know, Roma have one, like <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw Wolves Roma have one. one. You know, and it's like it, it's crazy to think that like this is like so funny, but obviously Wolfsburg's like logo is a W, right? Um, and obviously mm. when you play video games, like a W means a win, right? So like, I think there's become like this small subculture of people who will wear that Wolfsburg kit because it's got like a W on it, you know? And it's like, yeah. isn't that crazy to think that like some kid might become a Wolfsburg fan because of the stupid like... <laughs> because of Fortnite. Of yeah. Fortnite yeah. Right? There's g- it's going to be a nine-year-old in Norwich who's like the biggest Wolfsburg yeah. fan within a hundred mile radius or 200 mile radius now because of Fortnite. Because of Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. Even, even things like, you know, kids seeing a clip of Antoine Griezmann and doing the Fortnite dance and being like, wow, yeah, 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 now exactly, I'm a Barcelona bro. fan, or now I'm, yeah, I love sure. Anton Griezmann. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. It is a weird. It is. It is. It is starting to infect culture in weird ways. Like that. Um, 
that Black Arrow FC thing also is a, is a great example. I mean, that's a great cause as well. But Wolves, have you seen that, Lucas? No, I literally don't. Wolves, are, <laughs> Wolves have, uh, they've just partnered with this, um, I think it's Black Arrow FC, which is this initiative of, yeah, uh, world's first platform dedicated to the intersection of soccer and black culture. And Stevis oh, okay. from The Chariot has uh, done like a photo shoot oh, with all the, the yeah. yeah with all the new wolves kits on and it's no it's way. cool as fuck that's to be awesome. fair yeah, yeah. but they're like partnering with they're just in a partnership with roma um i mean especially in the in the year that we've the world's just had socially as well it's such a cool cause but yeah it's all it's all around i think it's good it's to see well, because like as a you know as, as a musician who like my whole life is surrounded by music you know i look at like I look at footballers and I think like how crazy it is that like there's no there's no like nobody's desperate for the platform that they have you know they just they're there to play football and like you know and it's crazy to think that like as a musician you're always trying to push your Instagram or or push your Twitter or whatever and just trying to make this kind of image of yourself online but as a footballer it's like you're represented by the games that you play you know like yeah you don't need to you've got 90 minutes on a saturday that does it yeah 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 yeah, exactly bro and back to what i said about a music video being three minutes long it's like you know with football players it's like your mind is made up through the 90 minutes a week that you watch them run around a pitch you know so there's far (laughs) less need to lie about about yourself you know but it's cool that they you know with their platforms like can do stuff like that you know like let's be honest let's put imagine uh, Rooney let's put him in today's yeah. world and he's a youngster coming through at Everton and he scores the same goal against Arsenal within a week he's probably got a million Instagram exactly. followers straight away <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah who so who was the first Manchester United player that you fell in love with yeah like I said man it would have been Giggsy um, like I um, just as a Welsh person you know like Wales is you know obviously Gareth Bale in the meantime has, has done really well for Wales but like just when I was younger there was just not a single kind of good Welsh player other than Giggsy really I mean um, I can't even remember who would have been in the team oh like um, what era are we talking here uh, like, so yeah years? so I got into like I got into footy around about like 2003 2004-ish um, okay but I you know I remember like Robbie Earnshaw or like Craig Bellamy or like uh, John Price Joe Bellamy Ledley or whatever <laughs> yeah 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 but like you know like it was like Giggsy was the only one that like felt like in any way like a premium player like the only player that felt like if there was like a mm-hmm. Britain eleven, it would have been, he would have been like the only Welsh player in the squad, you know. I think that was at a time as well where like England had like such an unbelievable crop of, um, of players as well. It, to be fair, when you you look back at like people always blame that like English golden generation not winning the World Cup on the fact that like. Scolzi got put onto the the left midfield or whatever. Oh, it's it's all on Sven's shoulders. I'm yeah. <laughs> every every oh, yeah, I'm a huge proponent of that. That's all. It's all on Sven. <laughs> do you remember um, that bit know, in um? Do you remember that bit in the James Corden sketch for thingy uh, for was it for Red Nose Day for Comic Relief where he was in he was dressing down the England squad in that hotel and he had Gerard and Lampard and he was like. Do you know, he's like, do you know, Frank, or do you know, Stephen, a very good footballer? Why don't you pass to him every now and then? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's funny how like there was this, this unbelievable like plethora of like English talent, you know, and at that period of time, you know, you've got the whole squad was just rife with good players. But I just felt like the only person representing my kind of country was Giggsy, you know, in a, in a real way. And and obviously, like I said, the the United connection that I already had before I knew any players even, you know, he was there. <laughs> so it just, yeah. he always felt like, you know, I got like, 
his I got his autograph. I got a, like his his autobiography. You know, I probably couldn't even read properly back then. You know, and like um, you know, so it just it just felt like the thing. And it's really tough as well because obviously in the meantime, there's like he's he's become like somewhat of like quite a deplorable character in like media. Um, and it's a little bit, yeah. yeah and it's it's a shame because it's like. <clears throat> Back in the day, dude, like it was, you know, regardless of the nationality, regardless of the club as well. Like, I don't know if he, well, does he still hold that like most appearances kind of is uh, that's not for United. Maybe he's like still the most capped United player or something, something crazy like that. Where regardless, I think he's still the most capped United player anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, regardless of, I guess, sadly, the, the kind of the light that he's been put in now, like just back in the day, the dude was just like. A freak, really. You know. Yeah, Ryan from Giggs, a very young nine hundred and sixty-three games. Oh, shit, and is it oh, like that's so that's painful? One more season, and that's a, that, and he hits thousand, the thousand yeah. mark. Mm. Yeah. To be um, fair, so, though, yeah, he did start very young, like so. I feel like he definitely had a good go of it. Yeah. Yeah, he he made the most of the career that he had. <laughs> so he's 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 obviously in charge of the world squad now. Like, how? was the summer of 2016 for you like dude yeah man so that was like um that was that was very a very interesting time because um i worked at a sports bar as well so i i was um oh prime location dude, yeah straight up and and I, honestly it was like nothing i'd ever seen before because like every game day whether it was like a tuesday or, or whatever you know just like we would just be crammed with like people and and obviously as as like a a barman who's also a part of the kind of the the chaos as well you know it was like the whole room just felt like this just mad atmosphere you know and that's something that we never none of us had ever really felt i don't think in in welsh football um you know so it was a very very like important time but i'll never forget like when we scored um I can't remember who we scored against, but we scored a goal. And like, I just remember like looking at the roof of the, the room that we were in and just, there was just so much like alcohol on the roof <laughs> because like everybody just sounds so crazy for it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we, uh, we had Ben on uh, from neck deep a few weeks ago and uh, especially with United now, it's such a prominent talking point, like Ollie in, Ollie out, you know, like <laughs> one week United, a oh my god the club's Dude, rotten to the core yeah, and then the next yeah. week it's like oh it's an ollie masterclass like yeah. where are you where are you at with that are you ollie in are you ollie out are you confident about united at the minute or dude i'm uh, yeah so i'm ollie all the way in as far as he could go kind of vibe like i'm very <laughs> i think for me it's like you know united are like um you're not you, uh, to me like man united have always represented like two things um you know and there's always been that like success you know um there's always been that kind of like you know that joke about like glory hunting and, and stuff like that because there was such a a long slew of like manchester united um dominance basically you know but i think when yeah. when the club um lost fergie i think don't get me wrong like david moyes was like a little blip and it was like sad that it didn't work you know what i mean um but i think after moyes it was a case of like they were treating united as the the glory team rather than like the the homegrown team you know like because to me it's like the reason united was always such a a a big dominant force was because there was a lot of faith put in the the club and like the youth academy and stuff and you know and when you Mm -hmm. think about like the treble winning season it's like a lot of that you know obviously the class of 92 kind of thing um but i think you know like going for like van hall or um Mourinho and like signing like uh di maria and falcao and all these like kind of big name players it was just like 
to me, it kind of felt like that was only half of the Man United that I'd grown up watching. You know, like, yeah, we signed Van Nistelrooy. Uh, you know, yeah, we'd sign like, um, well, I don't know, whoever, you know, like big name players, you know. But like the other half of the team was very much like Vidic was a nobody. Ivra was a nobody. Jisung Park was a nobody. And I think that for me was a right. big problem translating over was that we were trying to sign the Van Nistelrooy's, but we weren't trying to sign the, um, yeah, like the Nemanja Vidic's, or we weren't like really taking many chances, you know. And now if you look at the team, um, I guess a lot of everything that is good within our team really is is just people who care about the badge, you know. Like Bruno is kind of both of those things to me. He's like, he was a good player and he was a, a safe bet realistically. Like, you know, I feel like most people assumed that he would do well. But like he genuinely like cares about the club, you know, and and I don't think that could be said about anybody else that we really signed that was over a certain pedigree for a long time, you know. I think you start, yeah, yeah, it's I, like getting a, getting a balance, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think to be honest, just to just to sum that up, like Oli is the face of that. Like having you know like a manager mm-hmm. that doesn't really have many credentials, you know, and like obviously you know being a Welsh dude, like. It was sad for me having him come back into my periphery as like this manager of Cardiff that like went went down like a sack. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Though, yeah, no, 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 no. Exactly. Yeah, trying yeah. to ignore that bit, I suppose. Yeah, it's almost yeah, erased yeah. from memory now. I feel like exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he um, never gets mentioned at all. But you know, when you think about it, like I don't know, just bringing someone in who cared about the club and held the same kind of values as the club, that was better than bringing in somebody who had a full trophy cabinet. You know. Something about um, Solskjaer I quite like that he's not—he's not this. All right, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at United in his prime playing days, he was great, but he also was—he was rarely one of the first names on the team sheet. No, no, no. So, for sure. you no. know, he's especially twelfth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, obviously, like <laughs> massive hand in in ninety nine, but and uh, throughout the years scoring really important goals and coming on and making a, an impact. But like, it takes that—it takes a temperament to to yep, to last. You know that many years not being the first name on the team sheet and knowing your job so it must translate well now yeah yeah for when sure, you've got players like, like van der beek sat on the bench and he's like able to put his arm around him and say like look like this was me like and i got my chance yeah. and it'll come and yeah. it, it must be a great great like a great man management tool to have especially now yeah that that humility to be able to say i'm the dude who scored probably one of the most memorable goals in the last 25 years of, of british football but also <laughs> i'm the guy who sat on the bench for 80 of those 90 minutes and waited for my opportunity like that's such a, a lesson to be taught to anybody like young or old in football you know i'm interested to see how it because there's there's reports like i think it was this week where he's working one-on-one with marcus rashford at the moment on sort Ooh. of finishing mm. because rashford tends to use this kind of he'll like blast it with as much power as possible to get it past the goalkeeper which it clearly works because he scores at quite a clip yeah but there's now this thing where he's doing individual like one-on-one training with with Solskjaer on just like different kind of finishes more like softly placed or like finesse or just just yeah yeah. finesse kind of shots accurate like placing the ball accurately rather than going with it with 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 full power yeah and it'll be really interesting to see what kind of a coach he is as well just as well as a manager so whether he's able to unlock this I don't know extra 10% 10 20% of sort of finishing ability for Marcus Rashford so like yeah for sure and to be honest dude like keep an eye out when you think about like Rashford right now he's like between like Cavani and Solskjaer he's literally got like 
right next to him two of like the best kind of strikers of the last two decades you know like so there's a, there's a lot for him he's to, in a great to, position yeah he is and also you know everybody everybody loves him everybody in the club and in the whole of britain right now love marcus rashford um and it's, it's cool because he started off as this like you know everybody just kind of viewed him as this just striker basically you know um, and then I think he just slowly slipped into just being a great utility attacking player. Um, so it's, it would be great to kind of hone back in on that kind of striking vibe and, and just trying to, yeah, I guess just just trying to utilize every part of him because he's just got so much to him, you know. How do yeah. you feel about um, how do you feel about Martial? Martial is a weird one because, like, on paper he is like on paper he's like pretty he's done really well at United, you know, like. Um, when we signed him with Van Hall, if I'm right in thinking, and he was yeah. like a very young player. Um, and this is something that I always find as well, being a, like, being a, a younger person into football, is there's always this like horrible moment where you realise the, the, the wonder kids are now like mid-twenties. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, and like Martial yeah. was just like, I remember when he was like uh, this small little baby on FIFA, you know, and now he's like, you know, mid-twenties and like needs to kind of, I don't know, uh, go hard or go home kind of thing at the moment. So I, I think sadly, <laughs> though, it's like this year, sadly, has been definitely his least prolific, which is ironic because it's been the club's most prolific in, in probably about a decade now. So uh, I'm intrigued to see where he goes and, and how he's involved in the club, really. I think it's one of those things. I mean, this is, again, my opinion, so please slate me, but right. I just feel like, I, I just feel personally like I don't think he fits the mould of what they're trying to go for, especially when it's like he, he wants to be the number nine, but you've got Greenwood coming up who gets forced yeah. out to the right, and it's like everyone's, it's no no secret that, like, Gary Neville, I think, come out and said it, I think even Solskjaer said it, that Mason Greenwood's the best finisher at the club, and he's this 19, 20-year-old yeah. kid that very much flying under the radar, and I just feel like if he's going to eventually move into the middle and they're always, you know, the hype around United signing Sancho being an inevitability, if, what is Martial going to do and how is he going to feel? It's probably like, I'd yeah, be you're surprised right. he did... if he didn't leave at the end of the year. Yeah, he does feel like, sadly, like a little bit out of place with where the club is going, um, which is which is a real shame because like I said, you know, he's probably brought us more joy than any other player over the last like five years, really. Um but yeah, it is, it is a tough one. I think, to be honest, though, United have been in that kind of transitional period for the last few years where, like, I don't know if anybody even knew what they were trying to do anyway. You know, <laughs> lots of clubs go through it, but, like, it's very much just like, you know, we want to win the games, so we'll kind of do what we can and and, and just try and, and make it work. Whereas I think right now, like, Martial used to be a bit of, like, a, a trump card that they'd kind of play when you know we needed a goal and, and somehow we'd pull through but now it's like we're too good at a team to rely on somebody who just kind of does a lot of it on his own you know what i mean mm, like he doesn't really yeah. fit in with a lot of the link of play and stuff so to be fair though having said that just to go back like that um last year martial rashford and greenwood that like trio was just like lethal you know it was, it was real fun to watch especially as two of them are you know united like homegrown talents you know yeah they're starting there is sort of like i feel like the, the the kind of makeup of the united squad is starting to feel a bit more like it used to like you say with sort of players from youth academy so greenwood you've got in there mctominay's in there yep. rashford's in there they're all kind of 
Um, Brandon um, Williams sort of gets a game every now and again as well. I was well. going to say as well, like Tuan Zerbe or whatever his name is, like Axel Tuan Zerbe. Yeah. Like, mm. I'm like heartbroken that he, that own goal kind of got put on him the other week because I've always felt like he needed like a little bit more of a push, you know, like a little bit more of a confidence boost than most of our other kind of youth players. Um, and it is tough as well, like just watching players that you have like all the hopes in the world for like remember like when Januzaj scored those two goals and everybody just thought he was like the next Ronaldo yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah and it's just like obviously it's just a shame because you don't want to watch young people fail really in any way you know um but luckily especially we, when they yeah. start with such a like that they start so well yeah for sure man and and you know and back in the the Van Hall days, you know, we put a lot of pressure on a lot of young players. Like, what was that? Paddy McNair, do you remember that guy? Like, yeah. you know, like he was like really lent on <laughs> yeah. in like a tough time for the club. And it's just like, yeah, like you said, it's just a shame that like a lot of the time you'll put these kids in these positions and, and they'll do really well to start. But it's the longevity. This is important, really. So from the makeup of one side, let's we'll go to the makeup of another now. Do you want to? Well, we'll go on to your eleven. Cool, man. Yeah, Do boy. you want to explain any of the you know kind of formations or get the, like the style of football you want to try and play with this eleven or yeah, so, some initial thoughts? Yeah. So for me, I've always really enjoyed. Um, I don't know why I've always had like a real affinity for like CDMs. Like I've always really been a fan of like you know like Bastian Schweinsteiger or like. You know, he's in my team, but like General, General Gattuso, like I really enjoy watching players that kind of like sit back and kind of hold the game a little bit. So for me, I, I knew I wanted maybe two CDMs and then I kind of basically the main like kind of center of my squad was taking two of my favorite like team ups of all time and kind of swapping them over. So I really enjoyed watching Pirlo and Gattuso back in the day. And I always really enjoyed watching Skulls and Keen back in the day. So in okay. my in my well, uh, I won't go I won't go too deep, and we'll we'll go bit by bit. But yeah, so I kind of I really like the idea of having like a team that is centered around like a strong defensive base. You know, like um, very I've, robust. Yeah, yeah, and I've always really enjoyed like wing backs as well. So you know, with like a four two three one, you can always kind of have it so that the CDMs come back in with the center backs while the wingers go forward or you know whatever so there's there's a lot of like versatility within it i think is this your fifa Excellent. formation then <laughs> yeah for the most part yeah yeah, yeah. i can imagine <laughs> <laughs> right should we start from the keeper then cool so um yeah so my, my goalkeeper would be uh Iker Cassias. um he so first and foremost man like the three per club thing was just like such a burden for me because I'm just such a simp for Man United. <laughs> so um, I really like, I, yeah, I kind of- We, um, yeah, we put that in place basically to stop people doing the full Arsenal inv- Invincibles thing, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. or anyone putting just the full Liverpool title winning squad in. We just yeah. needed a bit, of, a, a bit of a framework to stop people from packing out their 11s with I, just one side. And I'm totally there for it because I, I do 100% agree, <laughs> but I still can't help but feel like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so for me, man, like, you know, I remember growing up, um, there was always basically, you know, when when I was younger and getting into football, the conversation was just like Buffon or Cassias for for a long, long time, right? Um, okay, because they just felt like the two most prolific, uh, just different level of goalkeeping. You know, it just they just felt like above anybody else in the world for a very long time, um, and. And yeah, and I, and I was just, I just always lent to Cassias, I think, because I was just used to think, maybe he just looked a bit cooler, you know what I mean? Like, he was a younger player at the, the time short as sleeve well, shirts, so. I think, isn't it? Yeah, dude, in it. Yeah, like, my man was a fashion <laughs> icon as much as anything. Um, but um, but yeah, and, and I think for me, it's like, I look at him, 
he represents two really cool things for me in, in football in the fact that he was like pretty much a one club man for most of his career. Um, but at the same time, he had the humility to join another club, you know, and, and like in his later career, kind of redefine yeah. himself as the Porto goalkeeper, you know. So for me, I, I think that's that's two things I, I really respect in a footballer is the fact that, you know, they could spend 15 years at the same club, just proper like, you know, like, you know, a servant to the club pretty much. But then, you know, the day comes where yeah. he realizes maybe he's not good enough for the first team and and then moves on to Porto and, and is, is just as passionate and and consistent there as well, you know? So, um, and obviously back in the day as well, he was is just it, a freak, wasn't he? So. It's, I mean, for, in terms of like picking a keeper, like he is one of the, yeah, elite tier keepers from the last like 20 odd years, I suppose. And yeah, I do, like, for sure. With the the whole Madrid thing, I, f- I feel a bit sorry for him because he was kind of bombed out under Jose yeah, Mourinho, I think. Yeah. That's why. That's where it began. He kind of got replaced by, oh, what was it? I can't even remember. Who cannot remember. I know he got replaced by Kaylor Navas in the end, yeah. but there was another keeper. I think it was like Diego someone. Or, oh, it was Diego no, like Carlos, keeper, not Diego like second Carlos. string. Diego Lopez, I think it was. Yeah, that sounds about right. And he got kind of bombed out for him under Mourinho as just like shortly after winning the world cup in it well, well. yeah because i was gonna say and as well like you know like, he yeah. it's yeah, such he, a Mourinho thing like... to do as well <laughs> um but yeah no as well as that you know the world cup um that 2006 was it 2006 no 10 10 2010 Fuck, okay yeah fair but um you know to me that felt like just yeah i would have been old enough to have, have watched the whole thing and, and like that like spanish team did just feel like very crazy good to me yeah that was a that was a, a golden generation fulfilling their purpose i think that yeah, world yeah, cup yeah. win it had a team that, that they they lost their opening game as well to go Indeed. from to go in with such i think because they won euro 2008 they go into world cup 2010 as complete favorites like utter like people are just thinking it's going to dominate the entire tournament and then they lost that first game against switzerland one nil and oh, i remember at the time yeah they went down to like a really it was quite an awkward goal and i remember at the time like it was blamed on casillas's girlfriend because she <laughs> she presents spanish tv right and she was um supposedly like stood behind casillas's goal so she had like a media pass and she was stood really close to casillas's goal and like loads of the spanish media after the game after they lost one nil like Oh, she was too close to the game. She shouldn't have been. She shouldn't have been stood where she was. She was distracting him. And then obviously they win the next whatever it was, like seven games, six, seven games, all by like one goal margins. <laughs> and they and then they win the whole thing and everything forgets about it. But, but yeah, it was that sort of that first game to lose that opening game and then to turn it around and still win the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because nerves extremely be... impressive. And like you said, that pressure of winning the Euros and then feeling like you have to win the World <laughs> Cup afterwards, you know, and then yeah. screwing that first game up. That's like a real. Uh, I don't know. Like, I I feel like for me, one of the the biggest things of football is like the um, the, the the like mental pressure that they must go through. Like, yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, it's easy for us to spout three sentences of, that we think we know what we're talking yeah. about, but actually yeah. being there in the moment yeah. is probably <laughs> terrifying. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that Lee Evans sketch um, where he's like, I think he's doing. It might have been in one of his older DVDs, like 2005, 2006. And he's saying something about, he's like, fans at football. He's like, go around him, go around him. He's like, no, we pay these football managers hundreds of thousands a week, not for them, but to listen to you. (laughs) So, mate, what have you got to say? Um, No, it's all right. You do it. You do it. (laughs) Right, the defence. Let's get into the defence. You've got a back four. 
Yeah, boy. So, uh, like I said, I've always been really like keen on on wing backs, and I I always feel like, um, I think it's because like I grew up watching Gabriel Heinzer, and he was always kind of like okay running up and down there. Um, so I've I've always been you know, and to be honest as well, like I remember one of my favorite, um, like Premier League seasons in recent memory was the one where um. Uh, who uh, I can't even remember his name. The manager, uh, the Chelsea. You know the three four three. Conte. Year? Uh, Conte. Conte yeah. yeah. And to me, it was like, oh my god! I look back at it and I'm just like, isn't it crazy to think how much he changed the Premier League that year? And the fact that like he came in with this formation that you know it wasn't like nobody ever heard of it before, but like just relying on like Alonso and um, oh no, I Victor, Moses. Victor Moses. We Moses, had Matt yeah. from Shaded on and Matt from Shaded claimed that that year Victor Moses was the best right back in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but like in fairness though, it, it made him look like it because you know, like he, they were, those two were brilliant that season, you know, and like, and I think it's funny because Victor Moses played for like West Ham or something and then, was he or something like that? Yeah, and he then... bounced around a little bit. He was like, he was at it was at Chelsea for a while, but went out on loan to places. Like he played played at Liverpool for a bit, went to West Ham for a little bit, and then yeah, but just as like, but not as a wing back. I think yeah, he bounced around yeah. like the number ten role for a while, and then just got put in this position on the right side of of this this like dominant Chelsea team, and just shone. Yeah, 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 completely shone. And yeah, he was he was <laughs> wicked. But um, but for me, yeah, I just remember like one week, you know, like back to working in that sports bar, you know, like every weekend I'd come in and do the Sunday shift, and nobody'd come in to buy drinks, so it's just me watching football on my own. And like um, and I remember watching. I think it was like Spurs versus like Liverpool or something, and they were both playing three four three because it was like the tail end of the season, and everybody had just basically just realized that like you either um you know, you're just going to have to join this whole idea that 3-4-3 is like kind of the best formation right now. Um, so anyway, yeah. So for me, wingbacks have always been like really cool, I think. Um, and a player that I've always really enjoyed watching was uh, Joshua Kimmich, or however you pronounce okay. his name. Yeah, um, yeah. because I um, I obviously as well, like, you know, FIFA's got quite a big thing to do with, with, uh, with football and the way we consume yeah. it these days. And I remember doing like a typical take a take a rubbish club and make them good kind of season and um and he was like a center midfielder for for leipzig um and and i just remember like i I, it sounds really stupid but like i remember then seeing him come in in real life joining like munich and being like oh fair play that's that kid who was on on the bench of every game i played for the last year or whatever on fifa and uh, and in the meantime he's just become this like freak he's just become so good and i think the like german efficiency that I've loved watching, you know, having just this kind of like every player is like an engine with just like yeah, he yeah, is like, the f- he is the physical um reprint of Philip Lahm. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. like Philip Lahm's like a reboot, genuine regen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and I, and I think, you know, I I wanted to do I wanted to put in like real current players in in this lineup a little bit as well because like it is kind of easy to to say like oh, you know, just put like Cafu <laughs> or whatever you know because it's like obviously Cafu's better than Kimmich but like as as it stands right now like I've always I just I really enjoy watching him and um and I think this was more as much for me to give like like Germany a little shout out you know because over the last 10 years what German football has just been some of the best in the world really yeah there's 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 something there's a lot to be said about about Joshua Kimmich anyway because because well, Matt just said that he is like the physical embodiment of the new kind of Philip Lahm, mm. who was like always this kind of versatile player that that has just put him in any position and he just shines. Yeah, and, and, and that's the really same. similar. Yeah, you could be he's a very versatile, and, yeah. and he's like got every skill under the sun 
in his arsenal. Like you put him at, at right back in cent- in central defence in the centre midfield. There's that game the first that after because like lockdown happened and there was no football for like six to eight weeks. Yeah. And then the first the first league that came back was was the Bundesliga and the first I think the first game after lockdown was was Bayern against Dortmund. And I remember sitting outside in my garden, like with it on my phone, like really quite excited to watch some football for the first time in six to eight weeks. And yeah. it was Kimmich who got the winner with this like Dude, beautiful chip from was, the edge of the area. It's like, what's he doing doing that? And yeah. it was incredible to watch. Like he's got everything under the sun to be a successful, just like to be an absolute stalwart for Bayern for years. Yeah. For, and honestly, as, as well, it's, tip, it's typical of, of Bayern to just get hold of a great German player and just have him for the next 15 years, you know, but I can't, I can't see him going anywhere soon, but um, I'll never forget that weird, what was that, that weird goal? He like tripped and scored at the same time. I don't know if you remember that. He like did a shot and then there's, it's well I worth watching. I think I know which then. one you're talking. He's like, it's like that Harry Kane one against Leicester. Right. I th- yeah. I th- Where I think he's he like, like sort of on the way down and then he yeah, sort of yeah, kicks yeah, it yeah, as yeah. he's, yeah. Yeah, I think but, I remember, I remember watching that and being like, yo, my dude from FIFA is just like, he's a real <laughs> one now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for my for my centre backs, I um I went for um Pique and Carlos Poyol, just because for me, like growing up, uh Poyol was always just like the kind of like embodiment of like a captain and it was just like a workhorse, you know, and, and he just like I don't know, especially like when you when you get into football and realize there's more than just one league you know it's like you look at all these kind of like european players then and and then i don't know for me it's just like he was the first player i remember thinking like yo like there's this spanish league and like this barcelona team has this like unbelievable defender and uh he always kind of summed up i guess just just spanish football for me really um and then same with pk back to the fifa thing man like i remember you know he was at united and i was playing like fifa 05 or something and then next thing you know he's just um obviously at barca and just kind of one of the one of the greatest center backs on earth really um and i think a hell of a pairing as well yeah dude i was gonna say that pairing basically part of the spine that helped them win sort of two or three champions leagues in the space of a few years for sure yeah and like you know when you think about like Poyle was far more of like a, like a kind of physical player, whereas I think like PK was just kind of like more of a composed kind of player. You know, I, I like watching teams that kind of like mould in that way, you know? Poyle as well. In, when uh, when we tried this out and we did a, a try run of this sort of format, um, we did my 11, I picked Poyle solely. Again, pretty much the reasons you've just said, but there's this. I found I found a bunch of clips of him doing it, and then saw it in a few games as well. Where when players go down and start rolling around, he just picks them up. Then he, he just yeah. runs and just picks them up, and he's like, <laughs> "Get up!" Like no yeah. fucking time for this. And Love I think that. he felt he felt like the the last of the old guard really for for a long time. You know, like yeah, I agree. There's this one specific thing with with PK and Poyle, and like you could see like PK is just like acting like such a little you know like just a, a little bitch <laughs> and like and, and and i just and like you could tell like poyle was like disappointed or annoyed at him you know as if to be like come on man stop like pretending we're playing football here and and i think that's something that's definitely lost in the modern game but he uh yeah he was a huge embodiment of that um and then left back i'm i'm gonna go with robbo i know it's a bit of a bit of a wild card but andy robertson um mm-hmm. just because i i just think Liverpool, you know, like being a United fan, I grew up just loathing Liverpool. Like, it, like right. for for a long time, I actually enjoyed hating Liverpool as much <laughs> as I enjoyed supporting Man United. You know, um, and like in that that recent season, 
Um, I just think back, you know, back to the wing back thing, like him and Trent were just like so good to watch because utterly like, outstanding. Yeah, like it just <laughs> imagine, dude, imagine what that. Oh my god, imagine that Chelsea team, but with like Robbo and Trent rather than Moses <laughs> and Alonso. You know, it'd be like unreal. But yeah, and I, I just remember thinking. You know, I think as well, he's like, he's a Scottish player. You know, I feel like Scotland haven't had many like um, generational talents in, in They create them while, in really. weird positions too. It's like yeah. Tierney, mm-hmm. Andy yeah, Robertson. Tierney, in it, imagine, imagine being Tierney and being like, oh, dude, like I'm great. I'm one of the best, uh, you know, Scottish players of the last like five or 10 years, but annoyingly the best Scottish player of the last five, 10 years is in Plays my left back position. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, uh, but yeah, I've always loved Robbo and, and I, I feel like, you know, he's got, not only has he got like pace and kind of like creativity, but he's just got this, like, he does have like an attitude, you know? And, and I do think that that is like quite a, a good thing to have in modern football. It's a great, a, a very exciting defense. Like on both sides, you got a lot of like pace, and then in the center, it's just completely complete, no nonsense. dude, for sure. Like brick wall, <laughs> and then a load of flair on the sides. Yeah, yeah a lot um, of attitude. And then for my for my like center midfields, like like I said, you know, I've I've always enjoyed watching watching like defensive midfielders kind of hold and control the game. And like back to what I was saying earlier with, with Perlo and Gattuso and then Skulls and Keane, you know, you always had like the, the flair kind of creative um, playmaking midfielder in the form of Skulls and Perlo. And then Keane and um, Gattuso were always just these like no nonsense, just, bastards basically the workhorses you know. the yeah. water carriers yeah yeah the kind of the kind of person who like if if skulls or, or if Perlo kind of like you know let it slip like Gattuso would just happily just kind of headbutt the player rather than let him kind of mm. go to the defence you know yeah. so, and, and I, I feel like that pit, straight away and, and I do think once again that is just like something that is necessary in all great teams really is having that like douchebag player that does it for the for the greater good um so yeah so those two i think would would make a really good pairing to be honest so yeah that's a, again that's a, like a really strong base to build your midfield on like paul skulls is just as i think we, we, we spoke about it on an episode before about the fact that he can't tackle yeah but for like sure. he's very he doesn't need um, to though you know <laughs> he's very aggressive at the same time yeah. so although like when we say that he can't tackle it just means he mistimes his tackles it's not that he can't get the ball off someone he definitely can but he's yeah. always very late at doing it for sure. um and then someone like Gennaro de Cattuso as well who's just um a nuisance in the midfield. <laughs> yeah. so. Like imagine trying to get through those two, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and like, to be honest, man, like Skulls, <laughs> Skulls, he is more like, kind of like a meme to me now because he's just like, he's, he was so revered by, I always felt like he was the footballer's footballer, you know? Um, yeah, that's and, what he feels like. And me and my mate Ben, who we, you know, we both love Man United and, and we always like, whenever we go to the casino, we'll always just put money on like 18 <laughs> because it's just like, you know, like Skulls, is just this kind of like, larger than life kind of like religion that i need to kind of uh support forever you know <laughs> but um but yeah dude so uh especially back to the united thing so this is when my team starts getting a little bit more like heavy on the united front um uh, and i was gonna go with vidic but then i realized uh obviously ben from neck deep did vidic and i feel like spare you guys i'm gonna talk about too many players <laughs> um, well so- this is the first week that roberto carlos has had a rest well, so, this is the thing. I, like I said, yeah. back to back to uh, Kimmich bench, taking it no rather doubt. than Cafu is like I just think, of course, like Carlos is the best left back for, of all time or whatever, you know. But it's like I don't know. Sometimes it's it's 
I'd rather have like a bit more of like a personal connection, you know. And I, and I didn't really watch him watch him play football really growing up. I just I always watched that crazy free kick or like, <laughs> you know, he always felt like just like an alien to me rather than like a player that I really connected with, you know. For sure. Um, I think that's what we want. We just want like people to bring elevens that have like, personality, got a personal really. connection. Yeah, with, yeah, for sure, man. Um, and then should I go on the wings or should I go to the to the cam? Anywhere you want, mate. This is this is your, so you've got a uh, kind of an attacking trident behind your behind your striker, right? So this is the the three in your kind of four two three one. Okay, right. So let's yeah, let's go left to right. So like okay. I said, like I said, Giggsy was just like a, a no brainer for me, despite his uh, adulterous ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just you know watching him as like back to you know I I won't repeat myself, but just being a Welsh kid watching a Welsh kid play football for the biggest club on earth, uh, you know, for the most part of my life was just, it was a real, I view it as like a real pleasure to, to have had growing up, you know, like Giggsy was just like, you just felt like my mate, you know what I mean? Like as a kid, you have these players that just feel like, you know, you've just got this real like connection with them because of what they stand for. Um, there's a so, lot to say about that because Wales is relatively it's a relatively small country with a relatively mm, small population. And mm. to have one player, like one player from that country play for, arguably the most marketable football club in the world yeah it's got for to sure. be pretty huge and it, I, I imagine that there'll be a lot of other kids in wales that grew up around that time that would have just picked like just globbed on to manchester united as their team because for sure. of ryan totally. Giggs. yeah and you know and like it's funny as well because like you know bale obviously came after Giggsy, and and i think back to back to dan james as well now at man united you know it's, it's like yeah. interesting that united have always kind of had this I don't know. It's just, it's nice. Oh, no, United, sorry, Wales. <laughs> uh, you know, we've always kind of had like at least someone flying the flag for a little bit, but uh, Giggsy was my guy, you know, growing up. Um, and then for centre attack, I'm going to go with um, with old Bruno Bernandez, my, my dude, um, because for me, it's like, I view this as probably the best, um, yeah, probably probably the best kind of team that United have had since since Fergie, really, you know, and like, mm-hmm. And he, to me, is probably contextually like I, you know, this could get really, really spun out of context. But like contextually, he's up there with like Cantona and and Ronaldo in terms of like talismanic he, signings. You know, like yeah, he's, I don't, th- I don't think that's even. You could take that out of context, whatever you want. I really don't think that's very deba- deba- de- debatable, debatable. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, since since Cantona, he has to be the like most high impact signing in terms of immediate impact anyway yeah 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 and like and i think as well you know a uh, big shocker but lots of people love to hate him and and i think that makes me love him even more you know because it's like <laughs> you know like i think they love he, to hate he, him because he's is he good? shows his personality <laughs> yeah a, yeah you know sure. a lot more than people do on a football pitch at the minute um, yeah and he's infectious and at that point, that's where they, you know, that's where they grow to to be like, ah, fuck him. So, and that's the same reason I grew up and I hated Lampard and Gerrard and Carragher, you know, because like, like these players all wore their personalities and their passions on their sleeves, you know. Mm-hmm. And if they're not passionate for the same thing as you, that's a bad thing, really, you know. You know, so so I feel like Fernandez has become like obviously this really polarizing figure within like. Um, you know, within kind of modern football, but I just, I just love the dude, you know, and I feel like he just, once again, he, he kind of symbolizes everything I, I love about football really, you know, and just like passion and just creativity. And, um, and he's also wearing skulls. He's number 18 as well. So um, I read a, so, yeah. a nice touch. I, I read a little article about Bruno Fernandes the other day um, about how 
talent sort of flies under the radar within football and if you know how scouting can sometimes just completely gloss over or miss like four or five really important players that maybe could have done with a you know the the road to to being a star presented to them early on and apparently bruno fernandez didn't choose to sign for porto because it was too far and would have cost too much but he signed for boa vista instead because they offered to pay his bus fare to train him when he was a kid had he gone oh, to oh, wow. had he gone to Porto, he'd have been he'd have been in the under twenties for Portugal, uh, you know, like way earlier. But went to Boa Vista instead, and then I think Udinese signed him for like fifty thousand euros, and that was where his journey started. And then eventually he ends up back at Sporting, and it's like, how did we miss this guy? Yeah, 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 for sure, the one that got away, you know. And yeah. there's loads of those those cases as well. And like back to the Portugal thing, actually, because like um, obviously the the Portugal Euro winning. Uh, team was he was he in that i can't really remember maybe i think I he, think he was actually i'm not sure that he was i don't or he definitely wasn't the starter anyway because you had obviously like sanchez and Sil. well there's a million silvers in that team he was but, only i think he was only in the squad for the 2018 world cup um there we go you know so imagine if he'd signed yeah. for porto he would have definitely won. he'd be a euro cup winner right now you know so yeah. it is interesting but um but yeah anyway so for me you know bruno and, and like i said i wanted to get some relevant current day players in and uh right now he's just like the dude so um yeah he wasn't even on the bench i don't think wow no, it wasn't it wasn't picked for portugal until 2017 yeah apparently. so wild. they definitely one that yeah was just completely kind of yeah, glossed over or just missed mm. um and then on the right i'm gonna go with even though it's kind of cheeky because obviously my love for him is very much manchester united based <laughs> and i've used up my quota now i'm just gonna pick ronaldo because like i just think like for me, you know, like really, when you think about it, as football fans in this day and age, you are just given this miracle situation where you've been we've been able to watch like two of the greatest of all time players play against each other, and like, you know, on a, on like a personal level, anyway, like I feel like Ronaldo versus Messi, you know, that conversation is always like a big one. Um, I feel like, honestly, if I wasn't a United fan, I'd probably pick Messi, you know? I feel like Ronaldo's a little arrogant and he's just a little showy-offy and I'm sure I'd think he was a bit of a douchebag if I wasn't, if I didn't grow up with him. But the fact that, like, as it stands, like, the is he, I think last week he became, like, the um, the highest goal scorer of all time, I think. Um, uh, Pele's going to be well, tweeting yeah. us soon. Yeah. <laughs> and then claim that too much. Okay, okay. And then as soon, I think as soon as they announce like, oh, he's now scored more than this Czech, I think is, is it Babic? Um, oh, the yeah, Czech yeah, FA yeah. were like, nah, it's not true. We actually need to score like 400 more or something. Yeah. We're going to have to put a disclaimer in Matt, because otherwise we're going to get Pele's lawyers on <laughs> Every the phone. Week. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, re- regardless of it though, you know, um, the fact that, you know, I got to watch like one of the greatest footballers of all time from like a super young age at my club and then watching him go on to just become like this freak of nature, um, you know, is like such a special thing as a as a football fan. So, uh, so yeah. Would you um would you take him back at United? Like if, if, if his contract ran out at mm. Juventus, I'm not sure when it runs out, actually, I haven't even checked, but would you take him back on like a like a one year like swan song or it's a would good, you think, yeah it's a good point because um how would you feel about that if he came back wearing the number seven again i just think for one season to be honest like i think any united fan who'd say no is overthinking 
I, I, I can't right, help okay. but feel like he just his talent is just unparalleled and unquestionable. And back to what I was saying, right? You know, like back to the Man United like dysphoria when you know Fergie left. You had this glory kind of vibe mixed with this homegrown kind of vibe. And and that that kind of just split itself down the middle. But I I just feel like Ronaldo is still at least kind of like connected to Man United in a way that I think would help him not be too egotistical while playing for us again. You know, okay. like if he came back now, I think he'd have the humility to probably not be. I don't know as as arrogant. Oh, I don't as think you'd those two words that... have ever gone. <laughs> Ronaldo and I humility. Know, <laughs> uh, but 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 what I'm saying is like I feel like United is probably the only the only thing within him that has ever shown much humility. Really, you know, like um, that that clip of him and Alex Ferguson kind of meeting each other again on that one. You know, the yeah when when they hug or whatever. Ooh, shit. Uh, sorry, I oh, I don't know my phone went weird then. But yeah, like you know, I feel like Ronaldo has just always felt like. One of the boys still, you know, maybe it's just me being a little bit like um, rose tinted spectacles. I don't know, but uh, I I definitely take it back anyway. As long as he played better than Bale has been playing for Tottenham. <laughs> right, and then your forward. My forward would be um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, just because I think like he has just been like just such a prolific striker, um, like you know, and like just super super consistent for like so long now you know like um he's never been like one thing i'd say is like i don't really you know I, i'm not really there for like the douchey kind of players who don't really share much loyalty you know and like like i said back to cassias and Poyle and stuff like you know i've always been a fan of that whole like one club kind of man kind of vibe but i just i just think zlatan is just such a a prolific goal scorer and especially in the context of this team as well i just think like you you'd need somebody like him to just sit at the top because like the rest of the team would just be running running rings around everybody else you know so there's um there's something to be said about because we i think might have been last week the week before i can't remember which conversation this was but we did speak about like lo- longevity of players i think in, in yeah. relation to buffon because he so i think he'd made his debut in like 96 97 yeah. is still yeah, playing now it's crazy zlatan yeah. zlatan recently like broke and it wasn't I think it was just a record where he'd scored a certain amount of goals between he first scored in like 1999 and then scored this year in 2021 like that's that's four decades four decades yeah 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 (laughs) and he's he's done it at like the world's biggest most marketable clubs he's been to Mm. he's been to Juventus Inter Ajax AC Milan PSG Barcelona Manchester United PSG LA Galaxy I mean, that's <laughs> and now he's back in Milan yeah. yeah and now he's back at Milan and it seems to be that this kind of 39 year old Zlatan is like the perfect like tonic to what the young Milan side need at the moment because he seems to be taking all the pressure off these young kids like I think there's been a lot of talk from like Raffaele out at the Milan who's like just so thankful that that Zlatan's turned up and decided yeah okay like I'm 39 but I'm gonna go back to Milan for a bit and he just he's just leading the charge for this really young exciting Milan side and because and you can the table again yeah <laughs> after years because you can at 39 as well is also something to be you know something to say he's not how just how is it like I don't understand his body must be made of that fucking stuff that Wolverine's made of <laughs> he's still <laughs> yeah. performing at such an elite level 20, I think the two, 22 23 years on the two craziest things to me is the fact that like a he's a striker he's not a goalkeeper you know like we i remember when buffon did the whole four decades worth of appearances things you know and and that in itself is crazy but like 
arguably, well, not arguably, like factually, you know, goalkeepers have it a bit easier on the fitness end of things. So the fact there's that yeah. and he's still running around is like, is is even more of an accolade. Yeah, um, and to come back after that, I think he injured his ACL at United. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelled the end of his his his, his time at United the second time round, I think. I think because he signed like a he re-signed a contract. Oh, I remember that. Te- yeah, yeah, tore yeah. his ACL, went away for a bit, and came came back, back better than probably that would end most careers yeah. at that age. But and th- yet he's now sort of <laughs> still th- performing at this elite level. I think with with Zlatan, it's like he's always performed. He's like he lives to just. It's not even that he lives to like prove people wrong. I think he just lives to like show off, you know. <laughs> like yeah, that's just that's definitely and, something and about what, that. He's an exhibitionist. Yeah, and yeah. what is more, um, what is more of a show offy thing to do than to still be killing it at his age, you know? So if anything, the the fact that he's doing it now is probably pushing him to do it even harder because like he can, you know, and and in itself that is like a showboat, you know. Um, I'm hoping and praying that Milan win the win Syria this year purely for Zlatan's Instagram post because <laughs> I want to see what's in that. Yeah, caption. the the shithousery is off the chart. Isn't yeah, it? dude, I found yeah. myself on his wiki. Um, I think it was last night, and I was just like reading all of his like um, uh, like controversies and like. Yeah. Honestly, his controversies list is like just as long as his like career list. <laughs> like the dude is just so controversial as well. So, nah, excellent choice for a, like a, a big number nine at the like at, at, at the at the focal point of this attack. Anyway, so yeah, thank you. Um, in terms of so like we we kind of ask you to put together sort of a substitute spence or three subs. Oh yeah, yeah. Using as much poetic license as you'd like you, for any definition you can think of um, from the world of music. So do you want to explain the choices that you've made for these? Cool. Yeah. So the first one I went with was um, it's kind of it's kind of hysterical to think that he'd ever play football, but um, uh, I went with Andy Williams from uh, Every Time I Die because purely because he's the only musician I know that is like has ever been like active in like a professional sport he's a yeah. aw um, wrestler right he is, he is yeah, yeah yeah yeah. which is obviously really really cool and, and like i've got like huge amounts of respect for him for doing that because that is just so cool um and and like i said you know mainly for me it's just the fact that he is the only like musician i literally i can't think of another musician who would ever have been able to even be like a, a sports personality in any way um and also you know back to the whole Gattuso, Roy Keane, like imagine that that big, crazy, strong dude just kind of like giving you a red carded tackle just to stop yeah. you from. Imagine scoring. is that where you're putting him? Are you putting him in the center of the? Oh park? yeah, so, I think I think maybe CDM because there's less like hassle for him to run back <laughs> if the ball goes over his head, you know. So what you're saying is Andy Williams impersonating Nigel Young in that World Cup final, kicking Jabby Alonso <laughs> in the chest. Andy Williams putting his boot through Jabby Alonso. Through. <laughs> yeah, and literally through. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other one I picked, number two was... Um, actually, I'll, I'll switch number three and two around because I feel like number two has a better story. But uh, okay. So the, the, the next one I'll, I'll say is um, uh, Ian Mackay from Fugazi. Um, right, okay. Fugazi are one of my favourite bands. I, I love Fugazi. But I think Ian is like a really uncompromising, loyal, passionate, artistic kind of musician. And I think the things that he embodies in music, I think are the things that a lot of my favorite players over time have embodied over the years, you know, um, just doing something that is like nothing particularly new, if that makes sense. Like Fugazi were like just taking kind of 
hardcore and kind of punk and kind of emo and just putting it together. And even though they were groundbreaking, it wasn't like they were trying to be groundbreaking, I don't think, you know? Um, but just the fact that, yeah, he's just like such an uncompromising, passionate dude. And I, and I just think having, and he's super creative as well, having somebody like that in the middle of the park, maybe next to Andy, maybe he's the skulls to, uh, to Andy <laughs> Williams' uh, rookie. That's a great midfield pairing there. Um, and then uh, the last one I went for was uh, was Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, um, because purely because there's a video of him on YouTube playing um, Street Spirit by Radiohead and doing keepy uppies. <laughs> and, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, just I remember watching that when I was younger and being like, oh my god, like, because Biffy were one of my favorite bands growing up. I, I I've always loved Biffy Clyro. Um, and yeah, and watching him play a Radiohead song and do keepy uppies is like my two favorite things put together <laughs> um and I, I i'm right in thinking he did openly talk about being like on the books for maybe he um yeah he was like scouted for a scottish football team back in the day and i think he did kind of pull it because of the music thing um well that's pretty cool which is which is super interesting so uh so yeah simon neil from biffy Clyro. we also ask for a two songs so we want a walkout song and a goal oh, song i haven't even thought about it okay 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 um <laughs> Uh, okay, right. Let's let's go on the fly with it. Let's um, do this on the fly. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. a walkout song. So you want something that kind of pumps you up as you're leaving the tunnel. I'm gonna go with um, Mr. Blue Sky by Yellow. Oh, nice. Oh man, imagine <laughs> that that banger dropping as you walk out onto the pitch. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I love that song. Me and my girlfriend always like dance around the the house to it, just because it's such a like happy song. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with that, and then for a goal song. I don't know, man. I feel like maybe something I... that hits hard. After yeah, a last I know. Because like, part of me is like, do I go for something heavy? Because like, that's cool. But like, no clubs do that, you know. Saint Pauli. Um, yeah, but your club can. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. your club can. Uh, oh, I reckon something by something by Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, let's go with like Know Your Enemy. You know the bit where it goes ban out, ban 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 out, ban ban, and then the ban and everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Boy. whole club losing their mind. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> Excellent, get the crowd on side. <laughs> we're good. Excellent, man. Wow, we, we I think we're gonna we'll get your picks for the match day playlist off air, and we'll put that together and put that out on socials. Um, but before we go, do you want to plug? Well, this is your chance to plug things before Whoa. you leave, so you can sort of plug things to this audience. What obviously I think the. I mean, the album's going to be the main one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I sing in a band called Holding Absence. Uh, we got an album out April 16th. Um, we've got a song out now called Afterlife, which I feel like is a... not it's a, a banger. It's not a, uh, it's thank you very banger. much, dude. Thank you. We um, Somebody played uh, one of our other songs, Beyond Belief, at the Bristol Rovers halftime Sure. Oh, wicked! <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe <laughs> we're cool. already in with a football crowd. I don't know, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, other than that, man, yeah. Just uh, hopefully, hopefully, dude. You know, shows will happen again soon. That's that's the that's my final point. Is just like here's to here's to music again sometime. So <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Good thing to end on. Nice one. There we go. That was our interview with Lucas Woodland from Holding Absence. Um, their album is out early April um check the dates on that um matt what are our social media handles where can people get in touch with us social media handles are on twitter at heavy metal ftbl and on instagram at x heavy metal football x perfect where we post all the time in conjunction with each other that's a lie 
Um, <laughs> yeah. We're constantly going back and forth on WhatsApp. Like, look, I'm, I'm going to put this on Twitter now. You you do this one on Instagram. And <laughs> yeah. We're always in contact. We'll get it. I promise. I promise. We'll get it. If you want to send in any opinions, even any voice clips, like send us a voice clip. We'll put it in the podcast and we'll talk about it. If you want, if we've said something that you highly disagree with or just hate us and think that we shouldn't be doing this, this was a bad idea of a podcast and we should <laughs> like quit, please just tell us because uh, we want to hear your opinions. It's, you know, this is like, this is like heavy metal talks. Yeah. Matt and, wants to be shouted at, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Just tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why Fabian Delph should go to the Euros and I'll tell you why he shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, get in touch with your Fabian, uh, your Fabian Delph opinions. Um, I'll probably do. I'll do us for this week. We yeah, we're out. So we're back. We'll be back next week with another episode. See ya. Nice one, mate. <laughs>